you're about to hear a true story of someone who has taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host, and thank you for joining me. Dr. Joe, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am so looking forward to talking to you and getting to know you and hearing why you do what you do. So start by taking me back and telling me just a couple of things about yourself first. Yeah, thank you, Heidi, and thank you for having me as as part of your part of your interview series. So, just by way of background, um, I am based in Australia. Probably should start with where I am. So, I'm in Australia. I'm I'm in the very sunny part of Australia. So, um, we don't get much much rain, and we certainly don't get much winter where I live. So, we maybe get you know a week, two weeks of of winter where we all you know shiver and pull a jumper out and those sorts of things. So, I'm in a very sunny tropical part of the world. Um, and I've lived here for the be better part of 35 years. I think I've, I've lived here. I used to live by the beach, but the part of Australia I'm in, there's no waves. So just, um, just, just the barrier reef. Um, so I'm a mum. I've, I've got two sons. They, they're in their mid to late teens. So one is 15, one is 19. So one at uni and, and one still at school. Um, and my husband and I live here and have lived in this region for a really long time. So, um, and I guess when I'm I'm not um, doing my my work journey, which is I think part of what we're going to talk about today, um, I really enjoy a, an active lifestyle. So so I'm a swimmer and a runner, and I in, enjoy riding. I know riding is a a joy that you and I both share. We do it slightly differently, but um, I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a lycra cyclist. Um, so that's what I like to do here in here in Townsville. So yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Enjoy getting outside whenever I can. That's awesome. Yes, I, I would love to be a cyclist. I just ride my bicycle around the lake. That's all I, around the lake trails. So I love it. But it's so great to meet someone who's such an avid outdoorsy person, you know, mm. and when you live in a place like that, it would be a little easier. I live in a place with all four seasons. And so there's several times of the year where it's either way too hot or way too cold to wow. do much outside. So it's fun yeah. to hear about the different parts of the world. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for being yes. here and sharing with me. But you got to take me back and tell me your lemon to lemonade story and why you do what you do. Yes. So my, my story started many years ago. So my, my story started as a high school student. And, and back then when I was looking at my career and what I thought I was going to be doing, I thought I was going to be joining the police force is actually where I, where I thought I would start. Um, and I was very eager to do that. My parents were very supportive. And so they would take me to the careers nights each year to find out a little bit about it. And in my final year of high school, just by chance, and I love those sort of sliding doors moments that we have in our lives, um, well, I was walking between two buildings. I'd gone to one one presentation and was going to the next, and just by chance, a police officer was walking in the opposite direction, going somewhere, and uh, he stopped me as I was walking across, and he said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm finding out how to join the police force." And he said, "Well, what degree are you going to do at uni?" And I kind of, I know I would have looked confused and I said, I didn't know I needed to do, a do I need to do a degree to come to the police force? And he looked at me and he said, yes, you do. And I must have looked about 12 at the time, I think it's probably, you know, I, was, I think I was 16. And um, I said, oh, what do I need to do? And he said, oh, something to do with people. And I said, oh, okay. 
So then I went back to my school the next day and, and this was a long time ago, Heidi. So it was before the days of the internet. So there was no way to look these things up all in, 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 in my state of Queensland, you know, it's all in, in a book. And um, so I went to my school guidance officer and said, I need to do something with people at uni because I want to join the police force. He didn't question it either. And he said, well, maybe, maybe psychology. And I said, oh, okay, I'll do psychology. So so I came to university in, in the town that I'm in now uh, to study psychology, to join the police force. And, and probably a good news for the, the people in my, in my state is that by the time I reached my fourth year of university, I'd actually found my love of psychology. And, you know, we, we talked about my, my interest in the outdoors and, and all things sort of sporting. So I have a very strong sporting uh, background. And so I was curious about, you know, how do people think when they're engaging in sport? So Luckily, I didn't. I didn't join the police force. Um, I don't know how good I would have been at that, but I. But I found my love of sports psychology, and so that's where I pursued my studies. And I did my postgraduate studies in in sports psychology. And in Australia, there's a sport that's 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 really big here. I know it's it's less so in other parts of the world, but it's it's a sport. It's a football code called rugby league, and. Um, just after I graduated, a rugby league national team came to our town. So they've been here now since 1995. And um, I got an opportunity to work with them. So I've been with them for a very long time. So that's a very long way of answering how did I, how did I get into my profession? Um, and then I guess when it comes to my lemon to lemonade story, I then continued working in that area. I, I taught at the university. I worked with lots of sporting teams, but I also did lots of general psychological sort of performance enhancement counselling work, um, which is a, you know, it's a really important area to help people who are doing well and want to do better, you know. So it's, it's, it's a slightly different focus to some of the general psychology work that you typically see. Um, my area is in the area of positive psychology, which is really about how do you take people from, from doing well that want to do better. So it's very much in that performance space. So I did that for a number of years. And in fact, I was probably 25, 28 years into doing that. So I <laughs> probably is a little while to be doing anything, I would think. And I think that's when my lemon to lemonade story really started to begin for me. And it wasn't a specific incident. It wasn't, you know, a, a major thing that happened, but it was almost like, and I think it's interesting for all of us to think about it in terms of our careers, it, it felt like this creep that was creeping up on me that there was just you know I, it was it was it was almost like that sigh that comes along that i'd find myself even though the work that i was doing was rewarding and i knew that i was helping people it wasn't satisfying for me and 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 that's a challenging thing to hold that mirror up to yourself particularly when you work as a psychologist you know because what does it say about me if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing and is it about the people that I'm working with? And, and I, I guess it got to a point where I, I really realised that I was starting to lose my empathy, um, which is kind of a, <laughs> a core ingredient when you're a psychologist, that I could feel myself and it feels challenging to admit to it, but I will because I think hopefully it's helpful for someone else to hear it, is I could almost hear myself in appointments predicting where the appointment was going to so if if a session was going to go for an hour in my head I in addition to listening to someone I would hear myself going they're going to cry in about 15 minutes and then probably about 10 minutes after that 
I'm going to help them to kind of regroup themselves and gather themselves. And then we're going to get to here. So it became very, um, it felt like I, I was putting people on a conveyor belt, you know, and, and so people were still walking out of the appointment saying, thanks, Joe, that was really helpful. That was great. But it just felt a little bit hollow to me. It felt like what I was doing was was helping people, but I don't think it was the true rich experience that it could have been. I think it probably could have been slightly better for the client. It certainly could have been much better for me. Yeah, it sounds so like I, you were feeling like you were being a robot, you know, that's what I'm it, picturing. It, it it's like you're there like and you're just going through the motions and doing what your job is, but you're just not feeling it anymore. Yeah, and I, and I think, Heidi, that um, when you're in the psychology profession, that's a really hard thing to acknowledge because yeah. that's the last thing we want you know and and there am i talking to other people about you know finding their why and what is your purpose and all the rest of it and the whole time for me it was feeling a little bit hollow so um so that's kind of where things were at and, I, and it probably sat there for a little while and i often say to people now upon reflection you know when you look into the diary for the morning and perhaps you find out that someone's cancelled or postponed and there's a little part of you that gets a little too excited about that a little bit of a oh good you know that's probably a sign that you're that you're you know kind of in that phase of of career and it's certainly worth you being curious about that and paying some attention to it which fortunately you know I don't think I was there for too long but I was there for long enough and so it, it took you know I guess um it took a few things for me to shift myself through that and then to transition through to, to where I've come to now. Okay. So tell me the yeah. lemonade now. Yeah. So, so, so heading to the lemonade now. So then an opportunity came along, um, which was an interesting one where there was, I've, I've got quite a few things that I'd, I'd presented on it at workshops and so forth. And one of them was what are some of the key lessons that I've learned from my profession? Because, of course, what I was also doing was working in the sports setting and working with elite athletes. And, and I was still finding that part of my work really sort of rewarding and enjoyable. It just wasn't all of my work. And someone had asked me to give a presentation about, you know, what do you what do you see as being the key lessons you've learned from working in that profession, which was a really um, reflective exercise to do. So I'd done that, given that presentation, and a couple of years had gone by. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, this would be a really good thing to share at a broader level at some point in time. Anyway, so around about this time that I was kind of in this murky territory of, of, of being the, the, the robotic helper, if you like, um, I had caused, I came back across that presentation again in my computer and I thought, I wonder if there's something in this. And so then I got myself a coach around my writing and so forth and thought I'll have a go at writing this up. So I so I, I guess the catalyst for me then was that I wrote I wrote a book. Um, and, you know, many people in psychology write books. You know, I'm certainly not the per first person to have done that. But what was interesting for me is um, I, I'd asked someone to write the foreword for my book who I, who I knew through my work. And professionally, that started to get into territory where I wasn't going to be able to do that. Um, so that as a psychologist, you have to be very mindful as to, you know, who endorses you and engages with you and all those sorts of things. So, so that's where I sort of came to my crossroads and thought, well, what am I going to do here? And I, and I actually, I guess, gave myself permission to step out of that old role of being the psychologist. So by then it was 28 years down the track and I wrote to the professional body and I surrendered my registration and I 
and and I guess what was what's been interesting for me, so that was probably three or four years ago now, is I've refound my love for what I do. So it's it's been this complete transition for me. Um, and I guess there's been many lessons for me along the way in terms of what that's meant and 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 my own reflections. But I guess what it, it reinvigorated me at a time where, you know, I know many of my friends who are a similar age to me are hitting points in their career where they're now starting to feel fatigued, talking about retirement, you know, wanting wanting to move on. And actually I'm I'm kind of hit a point where I'm going, oh, I feel like I've just started again. You know, I, I feel like I did probably with the energy I had when I was a 22-year-old graduate way, way back, way back in the 90s. So yeah, that's a great feeling when you feel like a purpose and a place now that you really aren't the robot anymore. So what are you doing? What's your job now? Yeah, so I have it. Well, it's interesting because I still don't have a title for myself, Heidi. That was <laughs> that was one of the interesting things. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's hard for me to let go of being a psychologist, because that defined who I was. Right. You know, if I say to people, I'm a psychologist, people kind of know what that is, even though there's different flavours of it and we do it in different ways. So so where my work takes me now is I, I, I guess essentially I'm in that consulting space, um, but I work. So as, so interestingly, and, you know, we always talk about one door closes, another one opens. Well, this is, was an instance for me where one door closed and 10 doors opened and I've stepped through, through many of them. So I guess what it afforded me the opportunity is once I backed myself and was brave enough to say no to some things, which essentially was saying no to the profession of psychology in its traditional form, it allowed me to then do so many other things. And I think for me, that's been a really key lesson and learning around this journey is sometimes it's less about what we say yes to, and it's more about what we say no to, that then frees us up. And, and so, um, so I, so I've now written, um, two books. I've, I've got my third one coming. I've done some journals and things. So I've, I like that. I've discovered that I like that writing space. And, and interestingly, um, I, you know, I think writing books becomes a bit addictive after you've done it for a while. Once you work out the formula for how to do it, you know, the first time around, it kind of feels like this impossible task, but there's definitely a formula and a system to it or there, at least there was for me. Um, and so then I'm doing a lot of consulting work, but, but interestingly, the, the the interesting kind of work that I've in, encountered since that time, the different types of teams I've worked with, increased opportunities for travel and so forth. And then I've kind of stepped into a realm of, of I guess, exploring the online world as well, because I think for many of us, we've got a message to share. And then it's about how do you want to do that? You know, it's, it's like your podcast, Heidi, is that you know, you could have the conversations you have at a local level and think of all the people that miss out on that wisdom but because at one day you were brave enough to go, you know what, I think I'll do a podcast, you know, you're able to share your message with a much, much larger audience. So, you know, I think we've all got a voice, a voice and a message to share. And then it's, I guess, finding a way to do it at, at the level that we're comfortable with and with the audience that we want to hear us. And, and yeah, I don't know if that, if that was your experience when you first decided to, to do the podcast. But I think probably what was helpful for me at that point where, you know, the water and the sugar started to come, come together in, in, in my lemonade stand um, was it all starts for me with mindfulness. 
And, and with that mindfulness, it's really about paying attention to where I'm at. What we know is whatever it is that we're doing, if we are aware of the way we are thinking, if we're aware of the way we're feeling, and it's not even necessarily trying to control those things, but if I, do, if I can't see it, I can't do something about it. So for, there would have been, and that's why I say, you know, when I was in that murky territory, how long was I there? I don't know because I wasn't paying attention to it. So I think for any of us, if, if there's an opportunity in front of us, it starts with paying attention to, to, to where we're at, how we're feeling. And, and I think, as you said, Heidi, it, you know, it's about understanding your why. Um, and I think that's where I got confused along the way because my why was very clear to me. And it, my why actually hasn't changed across all the years that I've been working. You know, I do what I do because I get the opportunity to help people um, in their everyday lives and I and I help develop high performance thinking. So that has not so my it was curious for me, my why hadn't changed. How I did it had it was, was the bit that had to change. And I think sometimes in that, you know, that circle of influence that we're, we're all very um, familiar with, we know we know what it is we do and, and we focus on why do we do it. I also encourage people to think about how do you do it. You know, how, you know, how I was doing it originally was one-on-one counselling. How I do it now is I come on podcasts, I write books, I give broader workshops, I, you know, offer online programs, so, you know, all those sorts of things. So I think being curious as well is, an, is another thing that we know in the research and curiosity, life, often, life also offers us mysteries. You know, the why questions, what, why do I enjoy doing what I do? There's no right or wrong answer to that. There's there's many of those. And I think that many of our lives would benefit from being more curious, creating more mysteries. Um, you know, how do I do that? Why do I do that? You know, being curious about that. And I often talk about ourselves as the curious observer, you know, noticing that I'm feeling distressed. Well, what does that look like and how, do, how does that feel? So I, I guess those are two of the elements that I've found really helpful for me, particularly in this latter half of my career in these sort of last five, five or so years, being mindful of what you say no to, because I'm a, I'm a firm believer that we teach people how to treat us. So, you know, if I don't necessarily like what's going on with my relationship with someone, then probably the first place I need to look is the mirror. Um, so if, if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, what is it that I'm doing that's allowing this to happen, you know, and so being, and again, being curious with it, not blaming myself or you know, being accusatory about it or getting cross about it or whatever, but just being curious and going, well, if I did this differently, what what might it look like? So I guess those are some of the key elements that were particularly helpful for me in that part of my career journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so great a way to think of it because I always teach people to question their thoughts. You know, if you have a thought, question it. And is it real? Is it true? But you're saying to question your feelings, and to really mm. find out where you're at with how you're feeling about things. And I love that aspect of mm. it because I hadn't really thought about questioning my feelings. So I, yeah. I think that's a great technique that you're teaching. Yeah, thank you, Heidi. And I think the key thing with that is to question it with curiosity. Yeah. Um, because I often hear people say, um, and, and we do a whole range of work in defence with emotional intelligence. And so often someone in the group will say, you know, and sometimes, you know, I get, Joe, those bad, you know, all those bad emotions and they yeah. launch the anger and so forth. And I, and I say, well, I wonder how would it help you if rather than labelling those as good emotions and bad emotions, if we see them for what they are, that as humans we have emotions, 
you know, some of them are more helpful and less helpful. Some of them are more pleasant and less pleasant. But I think sometimes if we get caught into it, and the same resonates with the message that you have, Heidi, of, you know, that, that cognitive behavioural approach of questioning our thoughts, you know, we don't have good and bad thoughts. We have thoughts and some are more or less helpful, which is, um, no, is very consistent with the messaging that you have. And when we look at our thoughts and when we look at our feelings with curiosity, because we know that our feelings come from that dialogue, they come from what we tell ourselves. You know, if I say to myself, you know, if I make a mistake on something and I go, oh, what a terrible thing that I did, you know, then that think about the emotions that come with that. So if the emotion I'm feeling is not working for me, is there a way that I can change my thinking that will influence my emotions? Or is there something that I can do? You know, like for me, a very, you know, we've all got those sort of quick and short strategies that we might use to help us shift our emotions. And it might be about thinking someone you care about. It might be about, and, and I do this here, and it's not the most exciting of tasks, but I'll go outside and hang out a line full of washing. Um, one, because I have a household full of, um, humans who make create lots of washing but so it's got to get done anyway but I actually now look at hanging out my washing as a strategy because I go outside which is which is a really nice part of the world to be in it here because it's we can use our washing line all year round so I hadn't really thought about that for your context but you know I can step outside I can start a task I can finish a task I'll get it done and between you and I, Heidi, no one follows me out there. So I actually get a couple of minutes of quiet to myself and I guarantee I come back into the house a slightly nicer person. Um, so, so, you know, it's we've each got, you know, it might be listening to music or it might be, you know, watching a funny little snippet of video on YouTube or something, you know, like whatever it might be, listening to a podcast, you know, all of these things can shift our feelings can shift our thinking. And then that sets us up then for, you know, whatever it is that we want to do through our day that's going to get, get us closer to our goals. Yeah, great advice to do shift it, to do that one thing. I, my husband teases that I'm like a dog that needs to be walked every day. You know, <laughs> I just have to get out of the house. I just have to get out of the house. Yeah, you know? And yeah. I love it. I love my house. I love being in my home, but I do. I have to get outside and feel the sunshine. And even if it's just walking to the mailbox. So it's that yes. simple thing that gets yes. you away from whatever you're focusing on for a few minutes to step away from it, literally step away from it. And then you can come back with new eyes, you come back with a new fresh mm. attitude, just a little bit more peace, whatever it is. But I think we need to take care of ourselves that way and kind of watch our, our thoughts and our feelings that way and protect ourselves and take time mm -hmm. to do those little things like hang the laundry. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely yeah. cannot do that here. But <laughs> no, no, I, I guess you walk. must, yeah, go you must, you must use a dryer, I'm guessing. So yes, we, we have do. a dryer. I only, I only use it for the towels because the sun makes my towels too crunchy. So. <laughs> I don't even yeah I can't even imagine that <laughs> so no, no you'll probably freeze on the line I would imagine we've got yep. we've got reverse challenges there haven't we yeah yeah it's really fun to think of how different people do things but how that's <laughs> a relaxing thing to you and I think when people are in their laundry room and doing their loads of laundry and taking them out of the washer and dryer they can still use that as their yes. sanity moment yes. as well like they might not be outside hanging it on a line but nobody's gonna bother them while they're doing the laundry because nobody wants to help <laughs> <laughs> no one wants a part of it. No, yeah. that's right. So you'll be yeah. left alone for a while to take care of something. You're serving your family and it's a great way to just kind of have that <laughs> moment alone of silence to think 
or to be able to mm. listen to something uplifting. So mm. I think it's great advice. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I guess the lesson for me was that as important as our why is, and it's incredibly important for our purpose and, and what it is that, you know, gives us a skip in our step when we get up in the mornings and so forth. When I recreated the love for how I do what I do, that's what invigorated my career for me. And so if, if that little snippet is, is helpful for someone out there, then I, I, I um, really appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you to, to share that. Yeah, thank you for inspiring us to look at maybe our careers or our daily lives in a different way of like, if it's not exactly fulfilling us, maybe there's that little pivot we can do. It doesn't mean we have to walk away from our career, but maybe there's a part of it or an aspect of it that we could change. And so mm. I love your encouragement with that. So thank you. Thank you for teaching us that today. Thank you, Heidi. Sure. Appreciate you. It's been a joy to get to know you and you're such a light and so fun and happy and positive. And so it's been so great to learn from you. So thank you for sharing what you've learned to be able to help the rest of us be able to be elevated as well. Thanks, Heidi. You're still here? Well, then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. But I love yeah. the most what you said about kind of, I teach this about not labeling things good and bad. And I love yeah. how you talked about that. You know, there is definitely the positive and the negative and, and yeah. things the way we experience. But if we label something bad and then come to find out it was actually a good thing, you know? So I think yeah. it's really important that we don't label stuff, that we just, it is what it is. It is what it is, yeah. And, and, I, and I think the same because it's, you know, if I, I don't know, I, you know, I'm about to go and have breakfast. So if I go and, uh, and I will eat something healthy because it's the morning and it's easier to, you know, ha habits is a big thing that I teach on. But, you know, let's say I don't. Let's say I go and eat, I don't know, there might, there'll be something rubbishy in there and then I spend the whole day telling myself how bad I am. Then all I do is feel guilty and then I either sit with the discomfort all day of the, the emotional discomfort of it or then I go, well, if I'm, if I'm going to be bad today, I'm going to be bad today and then I'll go and eat cake for lunch, you know. So... Yeah. It's just that I, the way I always frame it, to this, particularly to the soldiers when I'm working with them, is, look, whatever we're doing, however we're thinking, however we're feeling, it's either helpful or less helpful. Think of it along that continuum. And then if it's less helpful, what can you do? And if it is helpful, learn from it, pay attention to it, because presumably you want to repeat it. Yeah. You know, and which, doing which, is what I, which is what I do with athletes because they spend, it's, it's interesting. So I work with a national football team and a national um, basketball team. It doesn't matter what the sport is, if they if they win, their meetings are always so much shorter than if they lose. And it's like, this makes no sense to me because you just won. So don't you want to repeat that? Don't you want to spend a bit of time exploring what that looked like? Because success leaves clues, you know. And so if you can repeat those things, then, you know, whereas what they tend to do is go, oh, that was terrible, we lost, you know, and they <laughs> they, and, talk and they get it, really, talk yeah, and they say, oh, Heidi, you know, you dropped the ball here. Actually, let's watch the video of you again, Heidi. Actually, did you see that, Heidi? Let's start, show, you know. And so by the time you've watched it five times, imprint, imprinted it into your head. And then we go, oh, gee, I wonder why Heidi just dropped the ball the first time she went back out there again. You know, it's right. it's that under, understanding how, how, how exactly what you talk about, how the way that we think then manifests into what we do. Yeah. You know, and, and that channels through our emotions. If I feel bad about it, then, you know, it's going to be vivid in my mind. I'm going to see it. And then I'm going to go straight out onto the field and drop the ball or knock it on or whatever. Exactly. I love that idea because you could, 
why don't they spend that much time watching him catch the ball? Like, oh, look, you can see how you caught the ball there. Let's watch yeah. that again. Let's watch yeah. that again. Yeah. You know? and, a lot, and a lot of teams have learned that. And I mean, of, of course, they need to learn the lesson. Like if every time I run down the left-hand side, I stick my hand out this way and I drop the ball, then I need to know it, like be mindful of it, correct it and move on. But I don't need to see it 20 times, you know, because otherwise I use that little acronym of WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get. So, yeah, anyway, WYSIWYG. Um, And so that's what I say to them. So if you have dropped the ball, what does it look like to catch it? Yes. So, you know, just, just that little subtle flip and it, and it makes a big difference. So Yes. Yeah. And I've it's noticed we're like that with other people too. Like even my grandkids, you know, if they're starting to do something I don't want them to do, you know, I could sit there and be like, don't do that, don't do that. Or I could be like, <laughs> oh, I love it when you do this other thing, yeah. you know? And they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, okay, I'll go do that. I'm like, oh. So I don't even yeah. have to tell them like, don't, you know, because no. I can just tell them what I do want to see. Yeah, they automatically want to go do that. And so I think yeah. if we focus on that more positive behavior and what we want to see, and yes, yeah. learn from the negative and learn from the don't, but then focus on the good. And yeah. make that happen more often. Yeah. It's so true, isn't it? Because we often as humans don't, don't it's, it's like our brain puts a line through don't. Because yeah. like the example I often give in a workshop is I say, don't think about the Eiffel Tower. And you ever goes, oh, so, so, you know, and like to your example, if we have a three-year-old and they're carrying a glass of water and we say, don't, don't spill, spill it, it. They you know, and, yeah. and then we go, I wonder why that's all over the floor. Whereas if we say, you know, careful hands or yep. hold it carefully or, yep. you know. You're doing so balance. well balancing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. What, what, whatever that's going to be. And then we go, oh, look at that. They just walked over there and didn't spill. Yeah, so yeah. it's, but in sport. Because they're often going, you know, the other thing I talk about, the difference between reacting and responding to situations, and they're quite different. And in sport, under pressure, in the heat of the moment. It's a react. Yeah. It's a reaction. Understanding the difference between a reaction and a response. Because reactions are appropriate when you put your hand onto the stove and you need to pull your hand off. That You know, when you need to put your foot on the brake in traffic, that reactions are appropriate. But the reaction when you yell at a teammate or you swear at a referee or you you know any of those sorts of things when you could have responded um you lose your control and the the athletes i work with typically don't like to be out of control yeah i like that to remind them about reacting and responding but we need that in our everyday lives as well yeah, not just athletes we on the field because it's we easy as, especially as parents right you want to just yeah react. absolutely I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.